Hey there, church family. We are so glad that you're joining us today. Happy end of October. Hey, let's get into a time of worship and then dive into God's word. What do you say? Let's reach out and sing together. Are you hurting and broken within? Overwhelmed by the weight of sin, Jesus is calling. Have you come to the end of yourself? Do you thirst for a drink from the well? Jesus is calling. Sing high. 
Bear your cross as you wait for the crown. Tell the world of the treasure you found. Jesus is calling. Join you in your sufferings, then I'll join you when you rise. 
Welcome, ABF Online. We're so glad you're with us again this week. And thank you, worship team, for being so faithful to lead us in worship each week. You know, one of the most important things we can do is pray. Pray for you, and you pray for ABF. And so if you would text us your prayer requests at 97,000, we'll be faithful to pray for you. And then some of you would like to know, what's going on at ABF since I can't be here in person? Well, go to our website at agurabible.org, and you can find out about all the different ministries that are involved here. We'd love for you to check that out. And then finally, you know that we couldn't do this ministry apart from your faithful giving. So go to the website, go to the Give tab, and you can give online right there. And we want to thank you in advance for your support. And now, let us just pray uh, as we prepare our hearts for the message. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this opportunity to hear your word. We pray that we listen intently because we know that as we hear your word and we apply it, it can change lives. So bring the message fresh to us today. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you so much, team. Hello again. So good to be with you. My name is Josh. I'm one of the pastors here. Hey, it is the end of October, and that really just got me thinking, what kind of father do I want to be? Do I want to be the type of father that dresses up with my kids on Halloween, or do I not? Because let's be honest, that's really a, a pretty big question as far as dads go. So I'm wondering, for those of you at home, dads that dress up with their kids for Halloween, go ahead and throw the fist up in the air. Um, hey, congratulations, good job. I actually think I'm going to become one of you. Uh, I'm not dressing up this year. Holly doesn't like know anything that's going on and will be asleep by like time of trick-or-treating anyways. Uh, so probably not dressing up this year, but I'm not opposed to the whole dressing up thing. Uh, it's been a lot of years since I've dressed up at the end of October. However, I have dressed up in costume at the end of November for the last eight years. Uh, me and some buddies have participated in No Shave November for the last number of years. We did even before uh, eight years, the last eight we were doing it. But eight years ago, we decided to take a picture and it's just kind of evolved and turned into a little bit of a thing. So I wanted to show you a couple of pictures. Here's a photo from last year's No Shave November picture. That's us as Vikings. Pretty sweet. I know. Um, and then here is a picture of a poster of the last eight years all together. I know, also very, very incredible. Honestly, I've just been waiting eight years for an excuse to show these photos. Yes, it is happening again. Yes, it's gonna be amazing. So excited. You'll just have to wait and see uh, what we do this year, or you probably don't care at all, which is fine too. Hey, so the title of my message today is Prison Joe. Prison Joe. Anybody out there have any clue as to what that is a reference for? Go ahead, if, if you know. It's a reference to Prison Mike. Prison Mike uh, from The Office, one of the characters, Michael Scott, he comes up with this alter ego character called Prison Mike, and the purpose is to teach his employees a lesson if you were to listen to his little speech, uh, some of you would be entertained, some of you would be uncomfortable, uh, because to some people, apparently, that's like cringy. Um, but regardless of who you are, nobody would take anything of value away from his speech uh, whatsoever. Uh, so today, what we're going to do is we are going to, we're going to take some lessons away from Prison Joe. 
And unlike, uh, unlike bad information about what it's like in prison, uh, man, this is going to be so refreshing for our souls to get some true information about the character of our God. That was a stretch, but also pretty awesome, you got to admit. Hey, let me pray for us, and then let's dive into God's Word together. Dear Father, um, Lord, just thank you so much for a chance to dive into your Word. And um, Lord, we, uh, I personally am just desperate for you to, uh, to show up. I pray that you would just use uh, this sweet video that we're recording right now um, in cool ways. I pray that uh, you just meet people where they're at, that you'd speak to their hearts, that your Holy Spirit would do the work uh, that only your Holy Spirit can do. Um, Lord, I pray that I would be very small and out of the way and pray that you would just accomplish what you need to today. Lord, thank you again for your word and for a chance to be together online. Lord, we love you so much, and we pray this all in the name of your son, Jesus. Amen. If you would, flip with me over to Genesis chapter 40. And while you're turning there, I'm going to bring you up to speed where we're at in the life of Joseph. We've been going through his life studying him, doing a little character study. So Joseph was born into a very interesting family dynamic. His dad, Jacob, had 12 sons born to four different women. Joseph, who is son number 11, found favor with his dad. And it was pretty obvious that he was his dad's favorite because he was born to Rachel, the firstborn of Rachel, who was his dad's favorite wife. Not only did Joseph find favor with his dad, but he also found favor with the Lord. Uh, the Lord gave him these dreams, kind of revealing to him that he was going to rule over his family and his brothers. And shockingly, as a teenage boy, he didn't quite handle that information the best or communicate that the best to his family. And so not shockingly, his brothers hated him, legitimately hated him. They came up with a plan. They were going to kill him. Uh, decided not to kill him, instead just to sell him as a slave. It turns out from there, he ended up being sold to a military captain in Egypt named Potiphar. He found favor in Potiphar's house as well until Potiphar's wife got eyes for Joseph, made some moves on him, and uh, then made some false accusations against him when he rejected her advances. And so he was thrown into prison. So then, if you look back at the end of chapter 39, we see that prison Joe finds favor again. The prison keeper puts him in charge of all the prisoners there, and he trusts him so much that he doesn't even pay attention. The prison keeper doesn't even pay attention to everything that Joseph's doing. If you look there at the very end of the chapter, verse 23 says, and whatever prison Joe did, the Lord made it succeed. And that brings us to our passage for today. Genesis chapter 40, starting in verse 1, says this. Sometime after this, the cupbearer of the king of Egypt and his baker committed an offense against their lord, the king of Egypt. And Pharaoh was angry with his two officers, the chief cupbearer and the chief baker. And he put them in custody in the house of the captain of the guard in the prison where Joseph was confined. The captain of the guard appointed Joseph to be with them, and he attended them. They continued for some time in custody. So the chapter here, kind of where we're starting today, it begins sometime after this. Now, we don't know the exact timeline, how it all plays out, but we do know that we have this chunk 
of 11 years. We've got this 11-year time frame from when Joseph was sold into slavery as a 17-year-old boy. Then he's sold into Potiphar's house and is there for a while. Now he's in prison and has been in prison for a while. We know that's about 11 years. Here in prison, we're introduced to two new guys, the king's cupbearer and the king's baker. When I hear about these positions, I immediately think extravagance. I think, oh man, the king, he's got his own personal chef, his own personal sommelier, like he is rolling, like extravagance, extravagance, extravagance. And while that is certainly part of the deal, uh, a larger part of the deal is that these positions are very strategic. Positions are strategic. If you notice there in verse two, these are actually officer positions. And the purpose of these two positions was defensive in nature, designed to protect the king against assassination. Back then, if you were to try and kill or assassinate the king, it might prove difficult or risky to try and do it out on the battlefield, might prove very risky to try and like break into his quarters in his home and get him there. But if you think about it, the guy's got to eat multiple meals a day. You can get in with some poison and get out and be far away before anybody knows what's going on. So all that to say is that these positions were quite important. The question comes up, well, why are they in prison? We just know that they committed an offense against the king. There we see that in verse one. So not to speculate, uh, but to speculate a little bit, if I'm being honest, uh, I would just kind of assume that something had happened with the king's food and maybe like a food poisoning situation. I'm sure you've experienced a time where something just didn't sit well. You didn't know exactly what it was, but something did not sit well. Maybe it's a situation like that, maybe not. Whatever it is, it seems like the king and his people are trying to get to the bottom of it to figure out what in the world happened. The good news for us, doesn't really matter why they're there. We just know that they're in prison for some time and that prison Joe ends up overseeing them. So let's keep reading and we're gonna see the first thing that we can take away from our time with prison Joe. The first thing that we can take away is, man, don't let pride get in the way. Don't let pride get in the way. Verse five. And one night they both dreamed, the cupbearer and the baker of the king of Egypt who were confined in the prison, each his own dream and each dream with its own interpretation. When Joseph came to them in the morning, he saw that they were troubled. So he asked Pharaoh's officers who were with him in custody in the master's house, why are your faces so downcast today? They said to him, We've had dreams, and there is no one to interpret them. And Joseph said to them, Do not interpretations belong to God? Please, tell them to me. So the chief cupbearer told his dream to Joseph and said to him, In my dream, there was a vine before me, and on the vine there were three branches. As soon as it budded, it blo its blossoms shot forth, and the clusters ripened into grapes. Pharaoh's cup was in my hand and I took the grapes and pressed them into Pharaoh's cup and placed the cup into Pharaoh's hand. All right, we're going to pause right there. So the cupbearer and the baker, they're in prison. They both have dreams on the exact same night. The next morning, Joseph is making his rounds and he notices, man, there's something wrong with these guys. What is going on? And so he takes the time, stops, asks, hey, what is going on with you guys? You guys okay? 
They tell them that they had had dreams, but they don't know the meaning. And Joseph assures them, hey, interpretations come from the Lord. Go ahead, tell me the dreams. And so the cupbearer tells him his dream. I have, uh, I've been in a little devotional group. Um, I've got a group of guys that every morning uh, we get together via the Bible app and we go through a little, just do our morning devotional time together. Uh, we kind of rotate what devotions we're doing and all through the app. And there's some scripture involved, sometimes a video thing, and do it kind of on our own time. And at the end, there's a section for comments. And so you can just kind of make a comment on there. Uh, it's been really sweet. Currently, we're doing a study on the character of God put out by the Bible Project. Uh, just a small little six-day study, uh, but it's been pretty cool. And the whole thing is, again, a study on the character of God, and it's based on the Lord's description of his own character that we find in Exodus chapter 34. So back on Monday, the characteristic that we're studying is the Lord's graciousness, right? And again, this is the Lord's character. This is who he is. The Lord is gracious. It's not just like a trait that he has. He is gracious. And so the little devotional thing did this really cool word study, just kind of diving into what that word means and got into the root of the Hebrew word. It's chen, K-H-E-N, chen. Everybody at home, uh, give me some good phlegmy chen. Go ahead. No, do it. Just because I'm not there doesn't mean you don't have to do it. Say it. Perfect. Thank you. Uh, so chen is referring to grace or favor, grace or favor. And so then in the little devotional, it has us read a couple of passages related to um, just that content, that word, and uh, it was fine. Uh, I'm really selling it, huh? Uh, honestly, I don't, I don't know if pastors are allowed to have like mediocre devotional days, but for whatever reason, it was just one of those mornings. I don't know if I felt rushed or just had like other things on my mind or what, but it, it was fine. And then I got down to the comments section and truth be told, my mind was like, kind of like blown a little bit. Uh, both Noah and Zach had said a couple of things that gave me this like really cool click moment, especially since I've been studying this passage this week. And uh, Noah was actually the one that made the connection between uh, the Joseph series that we're going through as a church and that devotional that day. Uh, he asked if the favor that Joseph had experienced in chapter 39, what Pastor Scott preached on last week, in chapter 39, 4, it talks about favor that Joseph had received. Noah asked, is that the same as this word hen that we're studying today? And I looked it up, and sure enough, exact same word. And then Zach made a comment on one of the scriptures is from James chapter 4, verse 6. And it reads this, James 4, 6 says, therefore it says, it's kind of referencing uh, a, a verse from Proverbs, Proverbs chapter three. Therefore, it says, God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Now, I was interested, and so I went and I looked up the Hebrew word there in the Proverbs uh, uh, verse in Proverbs three. And sure enough, the word used for grace, again, was chen. Uh, just a brief pause before I kind of dive in and hopefully put some of these pieces together for you. 
is, man, if you are one of those people that just really struggles to get in God's word and for whatever reason just can't figure out like a good rhythm, can't figure out a consistency, uh, I would highly recommend uh, doing this, finding even if it's just one other person that you can get it's so easy to do it on the Bible app where you just kind of both get in the same group and it's just whoever you invite to the group and you can go through whatever devotional you want. And man, I would so encourage it. Not only is it just great accountability, um, just like being there and showing up every morning, but man, I'll tell you what, I learned such like sweet little things from the comments that the other guys post in this group. It's really, really sweet. I, again, I would highly recommend it even if it's just one other person. All right, so back to Chen. Josh, what are, what's, what's the main point? What are we talking about? Bring it all together for me. Clearly, there is a correlation between humility and Chen and this favor, this grace. If you look at Joseph's life, it is undeniable that Joseph is at the receiving end of this hen of favor after favor after favor, right? As I was kind of going through the summary of what's happened, Joseph had favor here, had favor here, favor, favor, favor. Now, uh, certainly uh, part of that favor, probably a, a good part of that favor is completely unwarranted, right? He doesn't deserve it. It's just all part of the Lord's plan. Absolutely true. Uh, and that's actually part of what's built into this word chen. It's that this favor, this grace, it doesn't have to do with like deserving it or earning it at all. Rather, it's a gift that's given with delight. It's a gift that's given with delight. So for clarification, I'm not saying just from the beginning that humility earns you favor with God. I'm not saying that. More what I'm saying is that pride can block it Pride can block favor. God opposes the proud. God opposes the proud. And man, I'm telling you what, we see this, we see this all through scripture. God opposes the proud. Um, immediately where my mind goes to is just the gospel. Like, pretty simple. Salvation comes through laying down our pride. It comes through um, admitting that I have a problem, that maybe I am the problem, that knowing that there's absolutely nothing I can do to save myself whatsoever, and just humbly accepting the free gift that Jesus gave. So there is no doubt that there is a correlation between humility and this hen favor grace. And we see it played out in Joseph's life. This guy had been stripped of his pride. He had been completely stripped of pride. And not to meddle too much, but maybe, just maybe, that's why the Lord had him in this season for 11 years. Maybe it's just preparation for what's to come. Um, but as I said, like he'd been stripped of his pride and man, we can just see the proof of his heart, what's going on on the inside. We can see the humility here just in this section alone. I see just three different ways that really show Joseph's heart. Uh, the first one is this, is man, Joseph had eyes to see other people. If you look there in verse seven, it says, man, he noticed the cupbearer and the baker. He cared. Not only did he just see it, but he actually like said something and cared about them and intervened and entered into their place. He had two major reasons not to. 
The first one is that uh, on one hand, <clears throat> excuse me, he's in prison, right? Like it's been a rough go. He's in prison. I feel like it would be so easy for him to be bitter, for him to just kind of keep his nose down and be like, I'm grinding. This is the worst. I don't like being here. I don't deserve to be here. Just put his nose down and just kind of do his thing and not really care uh, about other guys uh, or other people that are in there. Uh, and on the other hand, He's in charge, right? It's an interesting dichotomy, right? So he's in charge. He's in a position of power, even though he's a prisoner himself. Uh, just thinking about how easy it would be for him to power trip, right? And even think about how the tables have turned, how these officers from Pharaoh's uh, court, like now they are un like below me in prison and I've got this power. It'd be so easy for him to just like... Uh, I'm better than that, you know? Like, it'd be so easy in either of their circumstances uh, to play either of those cards, and yet he doesn't. He sees them, he cares, he enters in. Uh, a really cool, um, just sweet way to see Joseph's heart. The second thing that we see is more in relation to the Lord. He humbly trusts the Lord with more dreams. If you remember from the story earlier, kind of my recap earlier, the Lord had given him dreams before and he had interpreted those dreams knowing that he would one day rule over his family and his brothers. And guess what? Those dreams have not yet come true. Actually, it seems like quite the opposite has happened. And yet he trusts the Lord again in a similar situation with these new dreams. Takes a lot of humility going back and just saying, all right, Lord, I'm gonna trust you here again. The third thing is that he explicitly acknowledged where the interpretations come from. Look there in verse eight. He says, do not interpretations belong to God? And this is a bigger conversation and definitely gonna play into uh, next week and where we're studying in chapter 41. Uh, so I'm not gonna dive too much into it, but man, it would have been so easy for him to take credit as the dream interpreter and just be the guy building his resume. That would potentially help him in the future, but no, he doesn't. He doesn't. He points back to the Lord. I'm telling you what, the cupbearer's dream didn't sound too confusing, right? Like you read it, not too confusing. And spoiler alert, the baker's dream doesn't sound too confusing either. He is set up prime to take the credit and he doesn't. So again, to reiterate and to clarify, uh, I am not proposing that there is a formula, that this is not formulaic, that you just be humble and then you receive favor from the Lord. It's not that Joseph had like bent the Lord's arm, had kind of like gotten him into submission, had forced his hand into giving him favor because he was so humble. Rather, these tangible, humble acts, the way that we see Joseph, that's an outpouring of his heart. Really, it just gives us a snapshot of what's actually going on on the inside. So if you heard that, man, all I need to do is I just need to do some more of these things that are considered humble. I just need to get like my humble self on more humble, humble, hum more humble, more humble. Then like the Lord will give me favor. Uh, that is not it. Um, you've definitely missed it. Uh, rather, I would say that it is so important for us to evaluate our hearts, see what's coming out and just look at the content of our 
hearts. I came up with a very brief and non-comprehensive quick evaluation. Uh, We can call it the prison Joe eval if you want. Uh, Just based on these things that we see right here in the scripture, I think it would be a very healthy thing for us to do to just ask the question honestly and see what's going on in our hearts. And the first one is this. Do you have eyes to see other people? Do you have eyes to see other people? Or are you just too focused on what's going on with you? Are your problems too big for you to even be able to look outside? Are you just so focused on this? Bring it on in that I don't see anybody else's issues. Or I see it, but man, I'm just buzzing right on by. Don't got time for that. I don't got energy for that. Um, I think that's a, a very healthy question to ask yourself. Number two, do you humbly trust God in areas that haven't worked out so well in the past? I'll tell you what, I, uh, I absolutely know from experience that it, it just takes a lot of humility to come back in those situations where maybe it hasn't worked out, maybe hasn't shown up, hasn't done it how you wanted to do it, to go back and to then trust them in the same ways. It takes a lot of humility, that's for sure. Number three, Do you explicitly acknowledge him as the source of your success, both small and large? Is he the one that gets the credit, right? Thinking through our life and thinking through all like the sweet things that come our way. I know they're not all sweet, but thinking through the uh, amazing favor and blessings that come our way. Is he the one that gets the credit? Or then do you go in afterwards and end up taking the credit and confusing yourself as the one that you got it done? Another good question for us. I don't know about you, but I don't want my own pride to be the thing that gets in the way of God's hen, of his favor, of his grace in my life. The next thing that we can take away from uh, our time with prison Joe is to remember who's in control. Remember who's in control. Verse 12. Then Joseph said to him, remember this is to the cupbearer after the cupbearer had just told him his dream. Then Joseph said to him, this is its interpretation. The three branches are three days. In three days, Pharaoh will lift up your head and restore you to your office. And you shall place Pharaoh's cup in his hand as formerly when you were his cupbearer. I told you, it wasn't that tricky. Only remember me, Joseph continues, when it is well with you. And please do me the kindness to mention me to Pharaoh, and so get me out of this house. For I was indeed stolen out of the land of the Hebrews, and here also I have done nothing that they should put me into the pit. When the chief baker saw that the interpretation was favorable, he said to Joseph, I also had a dream. Uh, There were three cake baskets on my head, and in the uppermost basket there were all sorts of baked food for Pharaoh. But the birds were eating it out of the basket on my head. And Joseph answered and said to him, this is the interpretation. The three baskets are three days. In three days, Pharaoh will lift up your head from you, exclamation point, and hang you on a tree and the birds will eat the flesh from you. On the third day, which was Pharaoh's birthday, He made a feast for all his servants and lifted up the head of the chief cupbearer and the head of the chief baker among his servants. He restored the chief cupbearer to his position and he placed the cup in Pharaoh's hand. 
but he hanged the chief baker as Joseph had interpreted to them. Yet the chief cupbearer did not remember Joseph, but forgot him. Okay. So Joseph interprets the cupbearer's dream. He tells him that he's going to be restored to his position in three days, but he says, hey man, you got to remember me. I do not deserve to be here. You got to get me out. Remember me, remember me, remember me. I kind of envision him with like a kid, like squeezing his face, like you got to remember me. The baker sees that there's a favorable interpretation. He's like, okay, <laughs> by the way, I also had a dream. However, the interpretation for his dream was not so good. Jason, Joseph tells him that he'll be executed in three days. Sure enough, three days later on Pharaoh's birthday, everything happens exactly like Joseph called it. But sadly, the cupbearer forgets all about Joseph. The end. And that's where our story ends today. If you have been around the church before, uh, you know the end of the story. If you haven't been around the church uh, very long, uh, there's a reason why our series is called Plot Twist. Uh, here very shortly, um, Joseph is going to get out of prison and he's going to become second in command of the entire nation. Pretty wild. If I was to have you look ahead just at the very next verse, 41, chapter 41, verse 1, the next four words are after two whole years. And we're going to see the whole story kind of flips around. Here at the end of chapter 41, Joseph's life looks drastically, drastically different. Um, but I don't want to think about that. I don't want to go there. That's for next week. Right now, what I want us to do is I want us to sit here with prison Joe right here in this moment. It's one thing to know that in just two years, things are going to get better. Uh, but man, here in this moment, Joseph has no idea. Two years could be 20 years, could be 30 years. He has no clue. I think as we read this story, uh, I think there's definitely some value to looking at Joseph, looking at his character, learning some lessons from him, even just talking about like his humility and seeing, man, like that's a sweet lesson, something that's really cool that we can take away for ourselves. Uh, originally, my plan for this section was to talk about how Joseph decided to tell the truth even when it was difficult, even when it was a life or death situation. And he wasn't ambiguous about the truth at all. He told the baker straight up that he was going to die in three days. And I believe the reason why he did so is because, man, it gave him three days to get right with the Lord. And what a sweet lesson is that for us today, not to be ambiguous with the truth, but to be honest and obviously in a gentle and a loving and a caring way. Um, with those around us that are facing death. And man, the opportunity for them to get right with God. Um, an amazing lesson. Uh, certainly that is true. However, I, I think here in this situation, knowing kind of how we're leaving today and where we're leaving at the story, I think it's more valuable to look at the main character of the story. Main character of the story is not Joseph. It's not prison Joe. Uh, it's the Lord. And looking at what can we learn from his unchanging character. So, right here, at this point in the narrative, sitting alongside Joseph, knowing in our lives, we don't know how or when things are going to play out. I would say the best thing that we can do is recognize and remember two things. 
recognize and remember two things. Number one, God is in complete, complete control and he's not in a rush. And number two, it is impossible for you to control your circumstances. So cling to the favor that God's given you in the past. Uh, So for you, maybe you just need to be reminded again today. Number one, the Lord is in complete, complete, complete control of your life. I think we are so desperate to have a much larger view of who our God is and what he's capable of. And he is not in a rush. Even if it feels like you've been in prison and slavery for 11 years, he's not in a rush. I was listening to a sermon and the pastor said, the Lord moves at three miles an hour. And I was just like, yep, that sounds about right sometimes. The next thing is, man, it is impossible for you to control and to manipulate your circumstances, even though sometimes it really feels like you can. It's impossible. I think about Joseph in the scenario, man, he must have felt so good in that moment of kind of like telling the cupbearer and like grabbing his face and telling, remember me. Like, look, I just interpreted this thing for you. Like, you have to remember me. Like, he had to have felt so good about how that went down. There's no way the cupbearer could forget me in this scenario. And yet he did. Really, it comes down to the Lord's timing, right? Two years down the road, when it actually uh, comes up and there's remembrance, do you think Joseph had anything to do with that two years later? He didn't. It's 100% the Lord and on his timeline. Stop trying to control and manipulate circumstances. You cannot. You cannot. Instead, cling to and remember how you've seen God's favor in the past. I've been, uh, I've been reading an autobiography of a missionary. Uh, his name is Bruce Olson. Uh, the name of the autobiography of the book is called Bruchko, and I would highly, highly recommend it. This dude's story is wild. Uh, and man, I just thought I couldn't ignore how good of an illustration it was for what we're talking about today. The Lord just gave this guy such sweet little glimpses of favor over and over again, but it was in the midst of this really long journey and in the midst of some really rough circumstances. I just wanted to share a small part of his story. Not only is it super cool and encouraging, but man, it talks about what we're talking about today. So Bruce, at the age of 19, he takes off for Venezuela by himself, and he doesn't speak any Spanish. He had felt this really strong call to go and reach the Indian tribes uh, in Venezuela and Colombia. And over time, he didn't know exactly where he was going or which one or any of that for a while. It took actually a number of years, and he finally had settled in and figured out that the Lord was calling him to this Modalone tribe, the tribe of the Modalone. And they're known for being very dangerous, very violent, and that's who he was eventually called to go into. So after being in Venezuela for a number of years and just seeing God provide in some crazy, crazy ways, he takes off into the jungle by himself on a mule. He's going and he's having to deal with being wet and like the rain and just like constantly being wet. He's got bug bites all over his body. He's dealing with the end of his supplies and starvation. It's a pretty gnarly setup. Eventually, he gets into this tribe and uh, he comes to find out that the tribe name is, is the Yuko tribe. So eventually he makes some like contact 
only to be whisked away by the warriors of the tribe, thrown into a hut, and the warriors are outside lined up shooting arrows through the walls. And he has this crazy like God moment of just like, Lord, I'm willing to die for you. It's like wild, wild stuff. They're about to kick him out. He's there for a little bit. He doesn't die. They're about to kick him out of the tribe. And just a crazy God's favor moment. He had had some antibiotics on him. And the kids in the tribe were getting sick. And so he gives some antibiotics out to the kids in the tribe. They heal like it works. Thank you, Lord. And he's allowed to stay. After a while, his health is going down. He decides, man, I just need to go and get some medical attention. He tries to leave. He hops on the mule, rides out for a few hours. The mule bucks him off and the mule runs back to camp. He goes back, gets on the mule again. He leaves again, even more hours on the mule. Same thing. Mule bucks him off, kicks him in the face, and runs back to camp. And he's like, all right, Lord, if you want me to stay, I'll stay. He stays in the camp for a little bit. And at this point, the Lord's kind of like shifted his attention. And now he's trying to figure out, how do I get to the Modalone tribe? And so he's asking around. He goes from tribe to tribe. The tribes start taking him around to other people, trying to find anybody that'll take him to the Modalone tribe. Nobody will do it. Finally, cool God story. The Lord works it out where he's got uh, one uh, guy and a couple of other friends decide to take him to the Modalone tribe. They travel on foot for a week straight. Every day, all day, they're hoofing it to get there. And it kind of culminates in this moment where the guys, Bruce and uh, his, his guides are there and they get really quiet and really still and they're listening. And all of a sudden, the other guys start booking it in the opposite direction. So Bruce picks up in a dead sprint with him and is running and all of a sudden he's stopped by a pain in his leg. Motalone arrow straight through his leg. Crazy. The Modalone tribe come, they grab him, they take him back. And on one hand, he's there. He's arrived. He made it. On the other hand, he is in bad, bad shape. He's basically completely ignored. The wound is getting a real nasty infection. He's starving. Like things are not good. And he kind of comes to this point of like, oh my goodness, I think I need to leave. Like this tribe that I've been trying to get to for years, I need to leave. Long story short, he ends up escaping in the night, like following the water. The Lord provides bananas out of literally nowhere. Absolutely crazy. He goes, he gets medical attention back in civilization. And it's like, how am I going to get back? I know that's where I need to go. But I need, and I need to get back. The Lord provides in this crazy way and gets him a flight into Modalone territory. He's in Modalone territory. Finally, he's not back with the people. He doesn't want to just walk back into camp because he knows that could be incredibly, incredibly dangerous. So his plan is to stay out by himself in the jungle and he's leaving a couple of gifts in strategic places. Hopefully the Modalones find him. Days pass. Weeks pass. Months pass. And that's where I'm going to end the story. Uh, that is certainly not the end of the story. If you're interested in more information, I know that's a, kind of a rough uh, teaser there. Um, if you're interested in more information, read the book, or uh, it's a really easy read, or come and talk to me. I'd love to talk to you more about it. But that's where I'm going to stop. I really feel like that's, that's where Joseph is in our story here as we're reading scripture. Uh, he's seen God show up. 
in ways that are both large and small, but yet he is still right in the middle of it. He has no idea how or when this little season is going to end. Maybe you're there now. Maybe you're in the thick of it. You're in the middle of it. No idea how or when it's going to end. Maybe you've been there. Maybe you're going to be there. Uh, I feel like Lindsay and I kind of just got out of this uh, a few years of feeling like we were in this uh, just seven months ago. Holly is actually seven months today on October 31st. True story. Um, So I'm not going to speak from experience. Uh, I don't think uh, that helps, kind of like the after the fact thing. Um, And also, I know that my experience doesn't necessarily mean anything for your experience whatsoever. I'm also not going to say, hey, just hold on. Just like, hold on there a little bit longer. Everything has to get better. Um, One, I don't know the future, and I don't know what God's going to do. What I am going to do is I want to speak from the only thing that carries any weight, our authoritative source of truth, the thing that we gather together to study every week. So today, I want to speak from our scripture. And from our scripture today, we see clearly a number of things. More reminders. God is in complete, complete control. Your view of God is not big enough. Your view of God is not big enough. I promise you that. I am sorry that it feels uh, like he's moving so slowly. I don't think he thinks he's moving so slowly. He knows exactly what he's doing. I'm also so sorry that you can't control or manipulate your circumstances. Actually, I'm not sorry about that one. Um, You cannot control or manipulate your, your circumstances. Man, we just need to come to a place just humbly before the Lord. And finally, man, God has been so faithful along the way. There's been favor along the way. Cling to that. Remember that. Let's pray. Dear Lord, uh, Father, just thank you for Joseph. Thank you for Prison Joe. And uh, just for an opportunity to just kind of sit in it with him as he's in the middle and just kind of waiting on you, waiting for what's next. And um, Lord, thank you for your goodness along the way. Uh, Just those little reminders that you're good. Um, Lord, sometimes we feel like they don't come as often as we want them or as often as we need them, Lord. We're just thankful for your goodness, Lord. God, thank you that we can't even comprehend how big you are, how much you're actually in control of all this. Lord, thank you that you've got a good plan. Um, Lord, I just pray for maybe that one, um, that one person out there that just is so desperately in the thick of it um, with a family situation or work situation or finance situation or uh, God I just pray for for that one person that you just want to just wrap up in your arms and just say I got it Um, Lord we just love you so much we need you Um, Lord thank you for the goodness of your word and how it speaks to us Um, we pray all this in the name of your son Jesus Amen I think you all know this one will you sing it out But he brought me all his love for me, all his love for me. Who the sun sets 
Thank you again, worship team. And thank you guys again for being here with us today. Hey, uh, again, we're just so thankful that you join us here online. Uh, if there's any way that we could be praying for you, uh, any, way, any way that we can serve you, uh, we would love to do that this week. Uh, have a wonderful, wonderful week. And we'll talk to you soon.